All, uh, welcome to, I don't know what else to call this. We're just going to call it five points of contact tonight. We're with David Gold. The, oh my God, I have something going on in the background. <laughs> We're with David Gold, Inside NU Editor-in-Chief. And before we start this, I need to give a birthday. His son, Colt asked me to uh, send a shout out to him. So there's your shout out. And I got to get rid of this background noise. Oh my God. You'd think I'd be better. Well, I never am better prepared. You know, that's just how it goes. I don't know where the YouTube is coming in at. Oh, it's got to be in this one. There it is. Okay, miraculously, I didn't close out the window that runs everything. Hello, David. Sorry hey, about that. Good? Thanks for having me on. Around. to talk a little, a little football, a little everything. Um, heading into this weekend, heading to Lincoln for the first time ever. Should be a blast. Okay, the key there is you're heading to Lincoln, and everybody in the chat needs to remember that is the in, inside NU staff is going to Lincoln for the game, and they need recommendations on where to eat, what to do, what to see, other than them getting their asses kicked. Uh, you know, anything that you <laughs> anything that you would you guys think that they should see around the uh, around the stadium, around the town, around Nebraska. And uh, my God, that background video really threw me off. Uh, you know, David, we're going to start with the ugliness because we, you had, are you tired yeah, of talking about, about big, this yet? I mean, are we talking about the Big Ten West? Are we talking about Northwestern <laughs> football as a whole? Like, there's a lot of terms that could be described as the ugliness. Well, <laughs> and to, to a little too, uh, I'm going to appease your listeners a little bit more. We could just be talking about Iowa's offense for all we know. We could oh, call my that God. You're already starting out very good at this. Winning friends and everything. Um, okay. My God, Pat Fitzgerald, Northwestern University, the scandal, the hazing. You know, just, I guess, give us an update on where everything is. Is there like 83 lawsuits or there are only 20? Why does your athletic director still have a job? Why does your president still have a job? Uh, just your thoughts on when all this broke. Were you knowledgeable ahead of time? I, there, um, there's a whole, yeah, just, so I'll try to try to answer those questions because the answer is what? It's been nearly four months since this story broke, and the answer is I still have no clue what's going on because something's always going on. Pat Fitzgerald recently filed an over $130 million wrongful termination suit against the university, claiming that they breached his contract. Fitzgerald was actually scheduled to get a pay raise. Um, at the end of this year, would have been making over $6.4 million if he had made it through this season. Um, in the contract, he had to be in the top 30% of Big Ten coaches at all time. So that was in his contract that would have went into effect January 1st, 2024. Now he's unemployed, um, suing Northwestern for $130 million just in contract and then looking for additional damages for defamation of character and emotional damages. So... Northwestern could be looking at a pretty hefty payout to Pat Fitzgerald. Now, that is not even including any lawsuits filed by former students 
student right. athletes about hazing, claiming physical and emotional damages uh, during their time at Northwestern, which Fitzgerald has been named a defendant in his official capacity in multiple times, as well as Northwestern. So that's on the Fitz front. I think that's everything there. Quickly, how athletic director Dr. Gregg still has a job. President Schill came out in support of him back in July. I had a chance to sit down with him back only two weeks ago. I had a chance to sit down and interview him. He said that he never feared for his job, which I think is a very interesting take, but it sounds like he was never worried about him losing his job. He said that he focused his communications internally within the athletic department and let Schill handle external communications. And the one thing to know about Michael Schill was he was never supposed to be Northwestern's president after Maury Shapiro stepped down. Rebecca Blank, who was, I believe, the dean of, she was one of the deans at um, at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. She was supposed to become Northwestern's president. Unfortunately, she was diagnosed with terminal cancer and has passed away. Um, So she couldn't take the job. So Schill became president on short notice, was inaugurated last June. So he really just hasn't been here long enough, and that's his line of defense. But all in all, um, not great, Bob. <laughs> I think oh my God. We, also, we also should touch on the fact that head coach, base, former baseball head coach Jim Foster was terminated, um, was relieved of his duties due to uh, reports of abuse within the program. This was two days after Fitzgerald was terminated, and that – Northwestern volleyball head coach Shane Davis, who Nebraska is playing right now in Evans. Right. Um, I was able to learn of accusations of hazing under him that led him to be suspended for half of the 2020 COVID season um, due to hazing. So, yeah, this also comes two years after Northwestern hired an athletic director named Mike Poliski, who lasted all but 10 days before resigning because of his role of um, abuse inside the cheerleading program, which included making cheerleaders uh, dress provocatively around donors to help. It's a mess. And you, you think you have it bad. <laughs> Wait for it. Because somehow when you have a bunch of six-year-olds draped over you as a camp counselor and you're learning about hazing at Northwestern University, it's kind of hard to do two jobs at once. Oh, my God. Okay, you know, the baseball thing, the baseball, I'm going to go back to the baseball thing because Nebraska, we have tons of baseball fans. I have really good baseball writers. We are passionate about baseball. And, you know, early on we heard uh, stories about how abusive the coach was and how the staff had left. And I just – I. I don't really have a question here. It was just shocking to me that that went on as long as it did. And then actually Northwestern finished the season with an intact baseball team. And and we were amazed that they continued to actually compete. The players stayed, you know, you know, not all of them stayed, but they'd stayed at least as a team and played. Uh, But I don't know. This, this whole thing has been, you know, I, I before that, if, because What's what that? you know is that Jim Foster was fired five hours before the before the transfer deadline had closed for baseball. And what we know now is that Northwestern, the remaining half the team had already entered their name in the portal. Right. The remaining players emailed Dr. Gregg and uh, Michael Schill and said, you either fire him or we're all leaving. You can't fund a base and you can't create a baseball team here. We yeah. know that as a fact. We heard from a source inside the baseball program. My tremendous colleague and co-editor-in-chief, um, Iggy Dowling, learned that. 
So they laid an ultimatum out. There was a chance that Northwestern would not be able to to form a baseball team this season if Foster had not been terminated. Well, I can't believe that from the stories I heard that he wasn't – I mean, that it even wasn't a consideration to keep him. and That just shocked me. Uh, okay, Pat Fitzgerald, you know, before all this stuff broke, I am on record many, many times as saying I thought he was one of the best ba- or football coaches in the nation. I mean, and then you learn all this stuff, and honestly – I don't know what to, I still don't know what to think of it. I mean, it's creepy as hell. Some of this stuff is just so I it's so out there that you can't believe that it happened and that somebody didn't go, What? What the hell are we doing here? So I mean, we don't have a recording to show Fitzgerald knew, but that's my interpretation of it as well. Is the guy was the head coach for 17 years. He had been at Northwestern since 2001 as an assistant, had only been gone for two years after he graduated before he came three years, excuse me, before as a player, it felt odd to me that as a head football coach of your program, you didn't know what was going on inside your locker room. And I think that's kind of the conclusion that Northwestern came to as well. Although the investigation, let's be very clear. The original investigation from Maggie Hickey, the, the lawyer that Northwestern hired found that there was no direct evidence that Fitzgerald knew. However, I believe it was one of those things where if I don't see it, I don't know. That's how I right. interpreted it. The plausible deniability thing. Does that work there? Yeah. I, that's exactly – in my piece that I wrote about it, I called it plausible deniability. Now, you guys you guys at in, in the Insight NU, you, you break stuff. I, I don't break stuff. You guys at Insight NU are breaking stories about your own athletic department uh, you were responsible for your the other athletic director getting canned or resigning, right? Yes, that was um, back in 2021. Leah, REIC at that time, really took lead on that um, that story at that time. Now, why are you guys doing this? Is this because nobody else covers Northwestern? Is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's, at most press events, it is inside NU, the Daily Northwestern, which is a student newspaper, and right. the rival site, Wildcat Report. So at a normal football press conference on Monday is myself, my co-editor-in-chiefs, Bradley Locker and Iggy Dowling. Um, the Daily Northwestern will normally send two people. It kind of rotates. Lawrence Price, their game day editor, is normally there. And then Matt Shelton of Wildcat Report. It's normally about six of us. Totally. Oh, my God. So you know, you... And every once in a while for a game, you'll get a Sun-Times guy or a Tribune guy to come up for the game. But unless it's a – like. I would assume the Wrigley game against Iowa in a few weeks will have more national media and that, but for a normal like Northwestern versus Howard game, there's just no, there's no coverage. So it's our job to kind of cover all 20 athletic teams to the best of our abilities. And you're all students Mm -hmm. and you, you move on. Mm -hmm. So there's a constant rotation. Basically, Inside you and you, it's an SB Nation site. I've run coordination since 2006. You guys are I, I, using it for to get real world experience to go on to be investigative journalists other places. Yeah, I mean, I, we do it more because we love sports. Like my favorite piece I we I write every week is the quarterback breakdown is a film breakdown. But yeah, it's so I will run inside and you alongside Bradley and Iggy for a year, and then we'll turn it over to someone else. And we just we our goal is to train and get people ready to run this site to the best of our ability. 
and it's not always pretty where a bunch of college students learning. Can I curse on this show or no? Oh, fuck yes. Okay. Learning this shit on the fly. <laughs> um, but that's the truth. Like we're just, we're a bunch of kids trying to figure it out as we go. So it's not always perfect, but I'm damn proud of the work we do. Okay. Yeah. I, you can tell we've never met because you asked if you could swear. I, I am actually known for my prolific uh, saltiness. We'll go with that. You started, you know what? Me goddamn too. Me <laughs> I know, I know that the commenters and the people are probably watching or not. They don't give a shit about, you know, journalism and all that stuff. So we're going to move on to what we're here for, which is football. And we're going to start with Northwestern is three and three. That is honestly two more. I figured they'd beat Howard, but they had a hell of a time doing it. And I think about half the team was out, but you guys are three and three. You beat Minnesota. Uh, this is a lot better than I ever thought you'd be. How, what do you think of all this? It's a lot better than I thought they would be. Uh, to be honest, I have my season prediction at three and nine, but I thought they would beat beat Rutgers. I thought that I didn't think Rutgers was going to be as good as they are. But after that game, I was in the press box for when Rutgers just put a schlacking on Northwestern. And I was like, this team may not win a game this year. Like, there was a part of me that was like, they will lose to Howard. They lost to Southern Illinois last year in 2022. And then they came back the next week and put a thrashing on UTEP and just ran the ball out of their minds. And I was like, maybe I was wrong about this team. The Minnesota comeback, I still don't know what to make of it. I was on the call that game for our student radio, and I actually blacked out on the last touchdown by A.J. Henning. I don't remember what I said. But it was, it was definitely a game that you just go, what just happened? And truthfully – as much as Northwestern did a lot to win that game, Minnesota lost that game. Oh, yeah, yeah, they, did. yeah they did. Botched a game if I've ever yeah. seen one. Having a gunner down the ball in the end zone instead of on the one yep. yard line, like just horrible situational football, getting a face mask on a third down on the last drive of the game, just like really bad situational football from PJ Fleck, but also like. Anytime PJ Fleck screws up, it's kind of entertaining. So, <laughs> roll the boat. Well, uh, I I have a uh, my son just graduated in uh, in math from the University of Minnesota. I actually live in Minnesota, so we watched that game, and it was just a meltdown. And you're just like, oh my god, what is going on? And he did. He he rushed three, and he dropped in to prevent for like the entire fourth quarter. Thought he was going to make the first downs, and it was terrible. Yeah, but, uh, it was just it was bad. It was bad to watch all along. But also, that was the first time a Northwestern quarterback has thrown four touchdowns in the game since Trevor Simeon did it in 2013. Like, if you want to know what Northwestern offense looks like, it's just, that's it. No one had thrown four touchdowns since Trevor Simeon did it in 2013. Now, he is touchdown Trevor on my New York Jets right now. But, um, so yeah, that game. And then Howard, without Brendan, without Ben Bryant, Northwestern starting quarterback, um, got absolutely just smashed against Penn State. Like, Took a shot on the play action, just had to leave the game early. <clears throat> it came to Brendan Sullivan, who started for Northwestern at the back half of the season last year, and he was he was lost out there. He was absolutely lost. He did not read a defense. He was running around. He was leaving clean pockets. So that's a game with Ben Bryan out there. Northwestern probably wins handily, but with Brendan Sullivan out there, it got way too close for anyone's liking where Howard had a chance to recover an onside kick and go down. The right. It was, 
it was bad. It was really bad, but it also doesn't help when Howard knows a quarterback can't throw the ball. So you load the box with seven, eight, and you bring six every time. So are we going to see Ben Bryant, your starter, this weekend? So the most I can tell you is on Monday, David Braun said he was progressing. But after Howard, Braun said he should be good to go. I think it's gamesmanship by Braun. It's very Fitz-esque of not revealing who the starting quarterback is and making Nebraska go, oh, we have to prepare for Brian, but maybe Brendan Sullivan, who the hell knows? It's going to (laughs) be – I would be shocked if Brian, three weeks removed from injury, can't go this weekend. Okay, so – That's not based on reporting, based on anything I know. It's just based on Braun's comments that he was a game-time decision against Howard – Said he should be good to go. Had a full bye week. (coughs) I would expect Bryant to go. Northwestern needs Bryant to go if they want to win this game. So what does Bryant bring to the table? Can I just say, like, quarterback play that's not (laughs) god-awful? Like, a decent quarterback play that actually resembles what a quarterback should do? Nebraska fans had to live through the Ireland game last year, which Ryan Holinsky played extremely well football. But if you watched any of Northwestern last year, whether it was Polinsky, Sullivan, Cole Freeman at the end of the year, it was bad. Like, it just did not look like there was a competent quarterback back there. Bryant coming from Cincinnati just shows he knows how to play the position. He can get from read one, two, to three in a timely manner. He steps up in the pocket. He protects the football. He's had, he only has three interceptions on the year, two in the first game against Rutgers. One was a one against Duke where he really had no choice. It was fourth down and he had to force the football. But like he plays quarterback to a level where you go, oh, this is actually what quarterback should look like. He actually creates a viable passing game where defenses can't just load the box and say, we're just going to stop Cam Porter and then you can't do anything. So I think Bryant just gives Northwestern a chance to win and get the ball downfield. And Mike Bajakian has struggled at an offensive coordinator at times and at times maybe – being nice to Bajakian, he's been awful. But <laughs> okay, with Bryant, with Bryant back, it's been clear that this year Bryant back there just shows that Bajakian's offense can work if operated correctly. Okay, so what does Nebraska, what does Nebraska what does Northwestern have on offense besides Ben Bryant? We are used to at coordination for years. We've referred to the Nebraska. Well, I've referred to Northwestern's offense as rock fighting. And it seems like that is, you know, is that what you're going to do again this year? Are there who, what running backs do we need to be aware of or what wide receivers do we need to be aware of? Um, For a second, I'm going to mention hoops. Chris Collins' favorite thing is a rock fight. He loves to call a game a rock fight. So I call everything that Northwestern does offensively in any sport a rock fight because it's always (laughs) never good. But for for Nebraska to look at, it's going to be A.J. Henning. A.J. Henning, the Michigan transfer who is just a pure speedster now at Northwestern, a slot receiver, a kick returner, punt returner, line him up in the backfield at times. He is just so versatile that that's going to be Nebraska's stop. You got to stop Henning in the slot and make sure he can't wiggle his way through. Cam Johnson, a transfer from Arizona State, has been Northwestern's number one receiver, really good in tightly contested areas, um, <coughs> lost slant routes, trying to get the ball to him quickly. And he will drag defenders with him. Big, big yards after the catch guy can really put his shoulder down and drag defenders forward. Cam Porter um, with Evan Holgon. It's now Cam Porter's time back here. Two years removed from his torn ACL. Still not eclipsed 100 yards yet this 
this season. So the running game's been iffy at best. Five new offense, four new offensive linemen starting this year. Josh Preeb, the only starter from last year, um, is still working his way back off a torn ACL from last year. So he's still getting his feet under him. So this offense actually drops back a lot more than anyone's used to. Ben Bryan against Minnesota dropped back 48 times. So this offense will try to air it out at times. The, the offensive line holds up better in pass blocking than run, than run blocking by far. So you got to look out for Henning. You got to look out for Johnson. The transfers are really where Northwestern's has made its money this year on the offensive side of the ball. Okay, before we go on, I, we're going to pull up some comments. Uh, Fred Sacco, who's a dangerous man, just so you know that. Fred Sacco, and the reason you know that he's a dangerous man, David, is he, pref, he pre, prefaces his question. As disgusted, apathetic, purge mass out of protests, dry humps, etc. Um, all right, Fred, I'm going to try to be as blunt as I can. Winning cures all. That's the truth yeah. behind it. Some people are really pissed. But I think more people are pissed. The older alumni are more pissed at Schilling Gragg for their handling of the situation, firing Fitzgerald. Pat Fitzgerald's a goddamn icon at Northwestern. People right. care about Fitz more than they care about this university. Let's be very honest here. Um, so I think people are really pissed. You've seen fire show, fire Gragg flags at tailgates, which I think are hilarious. Um, you see Cats Against the World shirts with the with the number 51 on it representing Fitzgerald. You see those all the time. Um, Northwestern students show up to the games anyways. To be honest, this team's 3-3 three and three compared to a team that was 1-11 and got blown out almost every week last year. People just want to watch competitive football, and at the end of the day, they root for the name across the chest no matter what happens. I have not seen purge mask made out of protest. If that <laughs> happens, I think I would. I think that would be one of the funniest things I've ever seen. They'll get taken <laughs> away in an instant. But like, there, I think people are people were disgusted at the time, but also a lot of students I've talked to are like, it's not that bad. And you hear these stories about kids went through in high school or in other sports, and you're like, none of this should be okay. But it's become right. regulated in in our society. Like there are some things I'm like, you were 16 at the time. Like this is not like a usual okay thing to be happening. So I think a lot of people who've been in sports locker rooms had this quick assumption of like, oh, this isn't that bad. I've seen worse. It's like there's an issue. There's a bigger issue that has to be get, got out here. <clears throat> also, Northwestern's an institution with a huge endowment. Yeah. And they'd rather keep their money for research <laughs> And all these other things that Northwestern's more known for than football, if it means if it means firing their head coach, they have to protect the university's interest in the long run more than the athletic interest. And maybe that wouldn't be the case at like even in Nebraska or like a Michigan and places where athletics really controls everything. But Northwestern, you can't even fill out half the stadium. The average attendance this year is seventeen thousand. Like they're right. not they're not making decisions to live and die on based on athletics. Wow. Well, you know, I guess when I heard about this, I, you know, I, I played high school football. I was, I'm not a good athlete. I never was, but you know, even I, I remember uh, when I was a freshman, we were starting one of the seniors walked into our locker room and he, when we were freshmen in high school, our seniors were, I mean, they were fucking giants. And one of them walked in and he looked at all of us and he says, 
I just want you guys to know that we're not going to do anything to you. Nobody's going to do anything to you. If anything happens to you that you think is stupid, you come and tell us, you know, one of the guys, and we will beat the shit out of whoever does this to you. And, you know, back in those days, beating the shit, you know, it was pretty common to settle things by beating the shit out of each other. So when I heard about this, I'd heard it from other guys who played high school football and the stupid shit that happened in their towns. And I thought, what kind of fucking people let that stuff happen? It's just, it's not right. The whole I've seen worse stuff is, I don't know. It's an excuse. It's kind of stupid. Okay. We did ask for ideas for you. Colin J says, go streaking on O street and then go to Buffalo wild wings. That's the move. So that's I would like to be allowed just- back. I would like to be allowed back to Lincoln at some point. <laughs> Justin Roggy says the oven Indian cuisine, not Val's or Runza's. And he says, let's try to impress him. So Val's it's a bunch of 21 year olds coming. So that may influence where we're going. Val's is Valentino's. They're the most well-known pizza place. Uh, I know there's Yaya's pizza. Val's has been around for years. Okay. All right. So there's here's my, here's my real question. Where can I get some good good beverages? Is more of my question. Okay, commenters, there you go. Where can you get some good beverages? There's a mushroom pizza place down in the in the Haymarket area uh, that is excellent. There's a lot of restaurants and a lot of places down the Haymarket. Uh, hold on, okay. But Indian cuisine, there is. I know what he's talking about there. Uh, James Marshall asks, can Northwestern do what the rest of Illinois does and just blame Chicago for their troubles? Hashtag Chicago's Big Ten school. That's all I'm going to say to that. (laughs) Okay. Dion Pryor, who's always blunt as the rest of us, says, are some of the pervert players still on the Northwestern team? I'm not going to go that far to call them that. But what I can tell you is that the whistleblower who came forward in the Daily Northwestern transferred after last season. So he said that this stuff was going on as as late as 2022, which makes me believe saying only a few players transferred out and many of the players on last year's roster are still there that, yes, players who partook in the hazing and were hazed are still at Northwestern. Okay. Fred Sacco, like I said, is, uh, you know, he says, I heard they did something that rhymes with rock fight too. <coughs> Which, uh, no okay. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, Minnie, who's one of our regulars, Fred's one of our regulars, obviously, but Minnie's uh, up here. Minnie asks, I like the interim interim coach for Northwestern. They should keep him there. Uh, David Braun, right, was the defensive coordinator, now the head coach. Uh, You know, Pat Fitzgerald lost, and the guy's name is escaping me. He lost his defensive coordinator that was there for like, I don't know. Yeah, and he was an excellent, excellent defensive coordinator. And then he brought in another guy that wasn't cutting the mustard for a couple Jim, years. Jim O'Neill. Nothing yeah. nothing starts attending your in your first game as a defensive coordinator than Kenneth Walker on the first play going 75 yards for a touchdown. That's a Jim O'Neill. Um, but, yeah, David Braun's been incredible. As somebody who interacts with him on the weekly, he is personable. He is honest. He is blunt. He understands what he took over, and it's refreshing. It's not this coach speak. It's not this I'm I'm that head coach. I'm back. He is. He'll tell you what he's thinking, and he's he's honest. And I think that's a refreshing thing. On the field, Northwestern's not as talented as they've been in the past years, but you see a week over week improvement. 
on both sides of the ball, especially defensively. His scheme is really starting to come into fruition <coughs> for Northwestern, and the guys love playing for him. This team should not be three and three. Like I'm gonna be as honest, right. this team should not be three and three, but they are because of David Braun. I think he's done an incredible job a rallying the troops. This could have been such an easy punt season. Everyone's leaving after this year. Mass exodus of transfers. Last year, the home stadium that you're going to go play in Soldier Field for a couple of years. It's a mess. But he has done a really good job holding this group together and just getting them ready to play football and be competitive. I also think he's allowed Mike Bajakian to open up the offense a little bit more than we had originally thought. Because I think Pat Fitzgerald had a way that Northwestern had won games for a long time. They were going to run the ball. They were going to play really good defense, and that was their game plan. But Jake in this year has dropped back more than I've ever seen him drop a quarterback back before. So I think <coughs> Braun took took the leashes off of Jake in and really just let him do what he thought was best. Okay, so moving to the defense, who do you have that we should be aware of? Is your defense any good? Is, you know, what – tell us about that side of the ball. Yeah, I mean, Northwestern's defense – Ziv line is their weakest position by far. They had a lot of guys transfer out or even leave for the NFL draft. Uh, Tommy Adabare. Um, yeah, absolutely. Like the stream, share it, all the good stuff. Um, but Tommy Adabare um, was drafted by the Indianapolis Colts in the fourth round. Um, Austin Firestone was a top freshman last year. He ended up transferring to Missouri after the season. So this group is undermanned. They brought in Richie Haggerty from Southern Illinois. Um, and Matt Lawson from Fresno State. Unfortunately, Lawson went down in uh, the season opener against Rutgers with a knee injury that's kept him out for the season. Um, but that group is definitely the weak point. But you have really good linebackers in Bryce Gallagher and Xander Mueller. Gallagher, now a two-time captain, um, was all Big Ten third team last year. Really talented, really good run, run stuff for linebacker. Understands his run fits really well. Struggles in the pass game, though. If you want to know about Bryce Gallagher, he still wears a neck roll. So if you want to know what kind of linebacker you are getting, you're getting a 2005 Big Ten linebacker who's wearing a neck roll every game. Xander Mueller, very similar to Gallagher, downhill run uh, run stuffer, not great in the passing game. And then the secondary is probably the, sh- the strength of this Northwestern defense. Garnett Hollis Jr. <coughs> and Theron Johnson on the outside. Rod Hurd in the slot, who's really good. And then you have a trio of safeties in Coco Azuma, Jaheim Joseph, and Devin Turner. Turner, a sophomore, has taken massive leaps this year. Probably my most improved player, and that would be the name to keep an eye on throughout this game. Number nine just plays with a motor I haven't seen in a long time. Is Flies downhill in the run game, good in pass coverage. Coco, a sturdy veteran, his fifth year now at Northwestern, just understands the game really well. So those, that safety group is really where I would – Told my attention to if I was Matt Rule. So both of these teams, I mean, at our site, we call this the battle for NU because we are NU. And I know you guys y'all have been are in you, the big. Y'all are UNL. You are, <laughs> y'all are UNL. We are the real NU. Yeah, see. But they keep saying all these NWs in these comments. I'm not happy about it. Yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. Um, notice that, yeah, here we go. What? Well, I was, I'll bring up some more comments mm-hmm. in a bit. They have a bunch of suggestions for you on places mm-hmm. to go. Uh, both of these teams have played each other fairly close over the 
I, you know, since we've been in the Big Ten. Yeah, there's I, a 56 to uh, seven game in 20, uh, 2021. We don't need to talk about. <laughs> but uh, the games have been close. I mean, they pretty much all have. Uh, you know, oh my God, the years are escaping me. Last year it was uh, it was Ireland. Yes, it was. But what a game that was. And that was the moment where I knew Scott Frost was not long for his position as head coach. Oh. What was your what, what, reaction to the onside kick, just so we can get this out here? What are we doing? What are we doing? I was just, I could preface this that <clears throat> I coach special teams for a few years. I was a kicker. I coached special teams. But the – that game, Northwestern's offense was playing well, too. And they were only down 11. And you give an onside kick at midfield, you had all the momentum in the world. Kick that yeah. ball deep, force a punt, go down, score. That game is over. Instead, Northwestern goes right down the field, scores. It's a three-point game. <clears throat> I get the idea behind it. You're trying to catch them off, whatever. What are we doing? Uh -huh. Nothing, nothing I loved more than watching Scott Frost try to figure out a one score game. Well, I, yeah, that's the thing. You know, since then I, I, sometimes I've, I, I, I have entertained the idea that he was shaving points. <laughs> I've entertained many ideas about Scott Frost and. See. I lost you there for a second, John. All right, you're back. There you are. Yeah. When you when you look at this game and you look at Nebraska, what do you see? I see a team that wants to run the football. And that's my big takeaway is with Harburg back, finds out also we're we're all under the assumption it's gonna be Harburg, right? It would be it I is, should, it is Harburg. Okay. He's named he's named the starter. That makes sense. Jeff Sims couldn't protect the ball at right. all. Um with Harburg, the one thing Northwestern has struggled with. And yes, Riley Leonard's a very different player than Heinrich Harburg, but Northwestern really struggles with mobile quarterbacks and quarterbacks that run the ball. They really struggle to set the edge against zone quarterback, zone read type quarterback. So I really expect Nebraska to just go, you need to beat us up front. We're bigger, we're more dominant up front, and we're going to run the ball down your throats until you can figure it out. So do you think... I just you think you'll... Northwestern has the talent to, to match up. I really don't. Well, the line is what? The line is now 13? No, it dropped 11? to 11, but may okay. went back up to 13. I thought that was high, but what do I know? You thought it was high because our offense stinks or because? <laughs> because, I watched the because I watched the Illinois game. <laughs> we, we dominated them. We dominated them. That's, that's not saying much. Has everyone else watched Illinois football this year? <laughs> They beat Maryland. Yeah, but nothing's weirder than an October Maryland. <laughs> Maryland's known for starting 4-0 and then just absolutely falling apart. <sighs> well, that's true. All right. We're going to take some more comments. Da, 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 da. Okay. go. Say, uh, I, I should have gotten rid of some of these. <laughs> okay. Some of them are earlier. Joel Tilson asked, does Nip Fitzgerald have a case against Northwestern? So you have to pretend to be a lawyer now. Oh, I've been studying contract law now because of this. So here we go. Really? <laughs> um, yeah, he has a case. He has a case because Northwestern originally suspended him two weeks. Right. And then three days later fired him, but they didn't find new evidence. 
all they did was have the Daily Northwestern and us come out and report on what was the type of hazing that was happening in the program. So, yeah, it's hard to say that he doesn't have a case just because they originally only suspended him two weeks and no new evidence was shown. Now, in his contract, there is a termination for a cause section. And it clearly states, if you or any member of your staff know of things that break the bylaws of the university, which has a zero tolerance for hazing policy, or Illinois state law, which has an anti-hazing law, you can be terminated for cause. My best bet, (coughs) because discovery isn't good for either side. Northwestern can find someone who can come in and definitely corroborate that Fitzgerald that Fitzgerald and it's not good for Northwestern that they also can go into discovery and admit that they didn't think that this was a big deal and I think a settlement is coming I think that at the end of the day they'll probably sell for the for the remainder of his contract probably in the 50 60 million dollar range and they'll part ways it's just this isn't good for anybody and the more that comes out in lawsuits about what Fitzgerald knew the harder it will be for Fitzgerald to ever get another job again and I think Pat Fitzgerald still wants to coach. Now, me personally, I think Pat Fitzgerald would be a phenomenal analyst, studio analyst, college game day type person. I also think Pat Fitzgerald's going to the NFL. I think Fitzgerald really? will, be a, will be an NFL defensive coordinator within the next two years because that man hated two things more than anything, NIL and the transfer portal. <laughs> so I don't think he wants to go to a new college program and try to use the transfer portal and NIL <clears throat> it's called uh your your fitz once called the rpo communism he was not known for really you know modernizing with the game it was something i wrote about multiple times it's like fitz has to learn how to goddamn modernize at some point so okay well you got the questions i get this one Minnie asks john i remember you calling fitzgerald the best coach northwestern has ever had do you still feel the same well, I do. I mean, if you go through the history of Northwestern football uh, up until Randy Walk, Gary Barnett, maybe. Gary Barnett was the one who took them to yeah. um, took them to the Rose Bowl in '95. But you know who was the All American linebacker on that team? Who led that yeah. team? Fitz, that wasn't was it? Yeah. yeah. And you know, then you had Randy Walker, who unfortunately passed away early. Uh, the thing about Northwestern, when I was in school, I was in school in the (laughs) eighties. So that was the, the, I think it was 80 to 82 where they had 34 losses in a row. They won a game, they marched the goalposts and threw them in Lake Michigan. And, uh, which would have been, you know, of all the celebrations I can remember of my life, that is one that I would have loved to have been part of, but Um, yeah, that was awesome. That's a good one. Directly answering your question, Minnie, you know, I I think that here's the thing. I mean, I'm 61 years old, and there's a lot of changes that have occurred over that time frame. And there's a lot of reasons where, you know, guys my age call younger people soft. Or they say, well, you guys can't put up with anything, or you can't handle anything. Well, a lot of times when I look at these things, I look at them, I go, ask myself, is this change, is this, or is it just bad? I'm sorry, is it bad or is it just change? Because a lot of older people just look at any change and they think it's bad. And I think that a lot of the stuff, when you looked at what happened with Northwestern at Camp Kenosha, a lot of the stuff, it's just, it's not, I, I wouldn't have felt comfortable with any of that stuff being with other guys in a locker room. I don't think any of that, I have never found any of that type of behavior funny, amusing in any way 
it's kind of a bro thing that I never have bought into. Uh, you know, and I just, you know, so the fact that if Fitzgerald knew about that stuff, I think it's damaging. I think he's still probably, uh, well, I'll say it. I think he is a damn good coach. Uh, maybe, maybe he'll learn something from this and pay more attention, or maybe he'll just get millions from Northwestern and go on with his life. I mean, he still was Northwestern's best coach in their history, so he, I guess you can't take that away from him. Yeah. I, you know, for Northwestern's sake, the best thing that could happen for all of this is, is like David said, settle this stuff, settle with the people that are suing the shit out of you, uh, you know, try to make this kind of smooth it over as much as possible. And I, we all know that lawsuits are a lot of paying people off. Well, that's how it works. And then Northwestern goes on with their lives, hopefully without, I think it's David Schill, is it? Michael Schill. Michael Schill and their athletic. I think those guys need to be gone as part of this. They're not going anywhere. They're, they're not going anywhere? No, they're not going anywhere. I, I have that. I'm very good. Like, they're not going anywhere. Um, but yeah, Fitz's legacy is now complicated. But if you ask me who the best football coach in all time, it's still Pat Fitzgerald. It will always be Pat Fitzgerald. He took a Northwestern team to 10 bowl games. Yeah. And they won two Big Ten West titles under him. Like, yes, his legacy is now the most complicated thing we'll, you'll have to talk about. But he deserves what he did here. He still deserves the respect that for what he did. And they still – that's the complicated part. He did he, – he under – he was in charge of some horrible – a program that had some horrible things happen to it. But you cannot take away the fact that what he did overall for Northwestern was good. Yeah. He, but at the end of the day, you can't survive something like this. And also, it's it's clear that it got worse as time went along. It's clear right. that it went from some like weird shenanigans at Camp Kenosha – as I think one person put in the athletic story about, it was weird fat guys doing weird fat guy shit, which is just a fucking great quote. That's a hell of a fucking quote. <laughs> um, but I like, I think it got like, I think the car wash was bad, but when it came to like forcibly restraining and dry humping, like, it came yeah, to that, that, that whole thing. I, I forgot about that. I just, that whole thing is just, Oh, this, this shit's what ingrained the fuck? in me. This shit is ingrained in me. Now I can tell you, I can tell you this story from front to back with like no problem. Um, but yeah, Someday you're going to have grandkids and they're going to ask you these questions. God, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> Which no. part the grandkids or them asking your questions. So, Grandpa, what'd you learn when you were in college? Well, kids, let me tell you about some Shrek masks. Um, but no, at the end of the day, like, it's a complicated legacy. Northwestern still has Pat Fitzgerald's name, like, on their boards in Ryan Field, like, of honoring all Americans. He's still on some of the, the graphics and displays that they show at Welsh Ryan Arena. Like, Pat Fitzgerald's legacy is going to be hard to grapple with for a long time. Yeah, do I think at some point in the future, I really do believe this, at some point in the future, and it's when Schilling Gragg are no longer here, probably 10 or 20 years down the line, Fitz will come back, not to coach, but will be recognized and get his jersey retired, um, put in the rafters right. of Welsh Ryan or something. Like, I think that as time passes on, like, he'll end up, he'll end up being honored. I don't think he'll ever be back in Northwestern in any official capacity, but. Right. That's my that's my opinion on it. I think Pat Fitzgerald's legacy is now so complicated 
because so many people at Northwestern still love him and still yeah. care about him deeply. He like it was hard for us. It was reports because we all liked Fitz. Fitz was great with us. He was look, was he a head football coach who knew what he could get away with because these media members were all going to be gone in two years? Yeah. He knew. He knew he didn't have to be that forthcoming with us because what did it matter? In two years when I got my diploma, I wasn't covering this team anymore. Right. So he took advantage of that, but he was always, if you saw him out, he was always like, how are you? How's classes? Like, he was a good dude who I had the respect. He was, I had the hell of a amount of respect for. So you had to put these feelings aside of respect. And, and for a lot of us, like, we looked up to Fitz. Like, we're at school. Like, he was a huge name. He brought Northwestern onto the map. Let's be honest here. Wow. So he, his legacy is something that Northwestern media, students, alumni, fan, everyone's still grappling with. And I don't think everyone feels differently about it. And you're not going to get one person to feel the same way. Because if you ask me, do I still think Pat Fitzgerald's a great coach? I thought he lost touch a little bit with the game, but I think he still can be a good coach at a level. I think he needs to modernize the game, which is why I think he goes to the NFL and becomes a defensive coordinator. Right. The scheme is still good. He just didn't want to go to what modern college football was. I don't, I don't, I can't blame him for that. I mean, I'm old, you know, I, in my real life, I'm an IT consultant and my, my career is going, going down, you know, it's just going downhill. And I see a lot of guys that they just, you get to a certain point and you're like, I don't, I can't do this next round of change. And that's just how it goes. All right. We're going to give you some, uh, uh, some suggestions. Now, the thing about the YouTube chat is these will be, you know, these will show up on the YouTube chat. So if you forget everything, you can come back and look at it later. Maybe I'll run into the, some of the listeners at the tailgates. Who knows? Yeah, you, if, if you guys, if you guys are at the games, uh, you know, Fred, if you're going to the game, uh, hit buy David a beer. <laughs> and his friends, everybody. Fred says uh, the oven is good. Twenty-one-year-olds hit mellow mushroom pizza. That's the one in the Haymarket area. Oh. I told you about. Fred also has Duffy's Tavern. Sandy's two fun bars I recommend and I know I'm a drunk so I'm told and uh Ada Rourke's also Kincader Beer Hall ask for Oz tell him Fred sent you have a snow beast <laughs> uh, and I, here's and then Fred he must be a drunk because he gets around and hit the Starlight Lounge. I know the Starlight Lounge. Lounge. It is a cool retro bar with solid mixed drinks. I did during football season. Do they have the guys playing the pianos, Fred? Because they usually have guys playing like pianos, dueling pianos, and they do a lot of stuff like that, and it's fun. Fred, I gotta drive. I gotta drive home on Sunday. What kind of hangover are you giving me? We're, we're expecting you to stay there for three or four days and spend your money in Lincoln, Nebraska. Fred also says the fat toad, not named after Iowa cheerleaders, but it could be, and the hot mess, named after both our programs. <laughs> okay, that's what I have starred so far. There's been a bunch more co awesome. uh, comments come in. I, uh, that's awesome. Go ahead. No, I just so – we've talked about a lot here at Northwestern is David Braun and Matt Rolf have very similar career trajectories. Rolf now going to Baylor after the Art Bryles scandal. I, we Braun said they haven't talked, but I – I've always been interested to wonder what Rule thinks about what Braun has done at Northwestern. So I'm interested to talk to him this weekend after the game. All right. I'm going to bring up some more. Oh, my God. Somebody brought up by uh, James Marshall brings up. Look up the 1981 Northwestern football schedule. That team was as hapless as could be imagined. Oh, and 12, baby. 
Was it Pepper Pepper Johnson? South was that the coach? Um, 81, that sounds right. I could be wrong. Let me check. I remember a story of him talking about it. And he, he honestly said, you know, every time when we showed up in the tunnel to go on the field, I thought we were going to win the game. <laughs> it just... was, no, 1981 was Dennis Green. Was it? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, let's see. Need to get Fedone and Borokurcher the ball involved in the pass game and the run game. Fedoni and Borokurcher are our two tight ends, mm-hmm. I think, that are yeah. – Fedoni has the chance to be really special – yeah, and that's that's where Nebraska should look is getting those tight ends, odd Northwestern slower linebackers, and they can really take advantage of those matchups. That's where Northwestern has struggled. The receivers really haven't had great days against Northwestern. It's been running backs, and it's been tight ends because those are the ones that the linebackers are asked to cover. Okay. Well, Dion Pryor says Northwestern was starting to go downhill. Do you think that was the case with Fitzgerald yes. because yes. of the modernization thing? Fitz, in all honesty, at any other program, maybe not Vanderbilt or Stanford, but at any other big Power 5 football program, Pat Fitzgerald would have been fired last season. He okay. was 4-20 in his last two games. Last right. Two and it was not even close. Like, it was bad. It was like, it was like losing to an FCS and a MAC opponent in the same season – that's a fireable offense. It just like not, and these games weren't close. This is this is giving up thirty five points to Spencer Petras in Iowa. Who knew that was even fucking possible? <laughs> That's true. Like and the defense didn't score. The all Spencer Petras had twenty one points and two hundred yards before halftime. <laughs> halftime. He was terrible. Yeah, he was that- awful. Like it was it was clear to me. And that was the problem. The problem was Fitz had Jim Phillips gave Fitz a crazy contract, a tenure. If there's anything I can ever teach any athletic director, don't give out a goddamn ten-year contract. They never work. They never work. Like it was too long of a contract that they couldn't get out of it if they wanted to. So he was stuck. No, his Northwestern team was just gonna was just gonna continue to tread water at like the three and not and maybe once every once in a while get to six and six. Okay, Cornhusker Corner says I joke about hazing, etc., but it is a total witch hunt in my humble opinion. Northwestern is spineless for not standing by Fitz. We'll see how it shakes out, but I commend Fitz for getting back out there and coaching high school. So I do okay. want to make one thing there. He's coaching he's a volunteer coach for his son. He's not coaching high school. His okay. son is on the Loyola Academy team, which is 15 minutes from Northwestern. Like he's helping out his son. He's not a high school football. He did not take a job as a high school football coach. Now I have to ask this, but do you think this is was something they did to so they could get rid of him and not have to pay off his contract? No, because if they wanted to do that, they would have fired him instantly, not suspended him two weeks during an NCAA dead period. They didn't want. They were really hoping that they would suspend Fitz for two weeks. During a dead period, there's no recruiting, there's no practices. He could go on a two-week unpaid vacation and then come back. His suspension ended the day before Big Ten Media Day. He would come back. He would go to Media Day. We would ask him about it. He would say, I didn't know anything, but it's my job as a, as the leader of this program to do better, and we will do better, and that would be it. And anything else he would say, I can't comment on. And then we would go, okay, he's pulling the fits where we don't get anything from him. Let's start talking about actual football we would move on from this story. 
the season would get in the way and no one would talk about it because we'd all be talking about Northwestern being terrible on the field. But your student newspaper had other ideas. Or a whistleblower had another idea. Yeah. Wow. At the end of the day, Northwestern didn't want this. Northwestern didn't want to piss off its entire alumni fan base by having to fire Pat Fitzgerald. But as soon as the details came out about what happened, I actually didn't think they were going to do it. I thought they were really? going to suspend him six games. I really didn't think they were. I thought Pat Fitzgerald was immortal at Northwestern. I really thought he was. I thought he could survive anything. He survived going 4-20. and 20 Right. With, like, very little scrutiny. Like, very little scrutiny. And okay, Corby, go ahead. No, and that's – I would not take this as a witch hunt at all. At the end of the day, Northwestern – if anything, Northwestern tried to protect Fitz for as long as they could. And then once they felt they fell to a public pressure, that's the truth. Once the details came out, you can't, no matter if it stayed and you, he would, that would have just been the conversation forever. There would have been no way to get around it. It would have always been right. Gerald, did you know about hate? Like, yeah, at least with Braun, he wasn't here. He was hired in January. We don't ask him about it because he wasn't here. Right. He got, he was hired after the investigation was launched. Okay, Corby Cobus says, in my humble opinion, this is arguably blah, blah. this is arguably the most impactful game Nebraska will play in the past five years in terms of future momentum, morale for the team and fan base. Win loss could define the rest of the year in the future. I, I would agree with that. I do think that something I David, something happened in the Illinois game. And I made points in my my reaction videos, which I do, uh, is was that Illinois never had a chance of winning that game ever after that goal line stand. And I think that goal line stand uh, changed Nebraska's trajectory. And I don't know. You want to react to that comment about Nebraska? I think that is <clears throat> very true. North Nebraska struggled to being, but I guess every first year coach struggles at the beginning. Like you're just right. trying to find your footing and all that. Ran into a Colorado team that I don't even know what happened. That was just weird. Like, that game was just weird. Um, I think they are starting to find their footing a little bit. And coming into the – this game is make or break, I think, for both teams for this for this right. season. I don't think <clears> – <throat> I think it would be a little far-fetched to say that that Nebraska's like – but more than their season affects this. I think that you Matt Rule's – went one in 11 his first year at Baylor and turned that right. program. Like he's shown that he can build a program. And while the Jeff Sims transfer may have not worked out the way everyone thought it would have, like they're in a good, I think they're in a good spot. I'm also a Matt rule believer, but I think that this would really determine what Nebraska looks like the rest of the season. I don't think that's a far stretch all. However, the, the rest of the season isn't that bad for Nebraska. I'm just looking right. at now. At sitting, sitting at three and three, and what? Once, if the goal is to make a bowl game, which I think should be Nebraska's goal, because right, I'm just gonna put it out there: Northwestern's made a bowl game before more recently than Nebraska. <laughs> um, this one, this Ow. one is. A, nah, I gotta do it. This one is a, <laughs> this one is a tough one. But then you get Purdue, who does not look good under Ryan Walters. Hudson Card looks okay, but nothing special. So that's that's a winnable game. A Michigan State team that yeah they gave they gave Rutgers a fight, but that's a team that's just swimming right now, trying to stay alive. And then you get Wisconsin, probably without Tanner Mordecai, and right. Iowa who can't score a point. 
I don't think this is a make or break game by any means. I think that being getting to four and three is much better than getting to three and four. But right. I also think that like they lose this game, it's not the end of the world. I think that Nebraska could easily be five and four. Okay, Fred Sacco, what's the likelihood Northwestern keeps the inter- – knows the NW capitalized. He at least capitalized <laughs> NW, and it's not small. What's the likelihood NW keeps the interim head coach, or do they go for somebody to clean the program <laughs> off like Mel Tucker? So what I can tell you is Northwestern has hired a search firm to go okay. out and look for head coaches. Now, if David Braun gets his team to a bowl game, it's his team. Like that's – that's just the truth. This team was picked to go one and 11, two and 10. If they go six and six, get to a bowl game, like it's his job. The players really love playing for Braun. Everything I've heard inside the athletic department, everyone loves Braun. So I would not be surprised if David Braun is the full-time head coach at Northwestern after this year. Now that is risky. He is 33, 36 years old. Maybe he's on, maybe he's 34, 35, 30. He's in that age range. And he's never coached at the FBS level before this season. So you're going to hand the reins off to someone who was a defensive coordinator, yes, at North Dakota State, which is a FCS powerhouse. But that's a big ask. I do think at the end of the day, David Braun will still be at Northwestern in some capacity, whether that's as head coach or as defensive coordinator is still yet to be seen. But I wouldn't be surprised if Greg, um, whoever they hire as head coach, if Greg makes it a part of their like agreement that Braun stays on this defensive coordinator. Okay. I'm going to check the comments and then we have one more Here, Okay. Many from many score predictions. Anyone else think we can beat Northwestern by two scores like Vegas? Do you have a prediction for us, David? I do, but none of y'all are going to like it. Well then give it to us. Come on. Um, so I've actually, it's very dependent. If Ben Bryant plays this game, I have Northwestern winning 24, 20. I think Northwestern's offense will click with Henning back with Bryant back. And the, this offense was humming with Bryant behind them. Yeah. They ran into a buzzsaw at Penn state, but this passing offense was really starting to get going and find its rhythm. Um, if you see Brendan Sullivan, I don't think Northwestern scores 10 points. So if it's Brendan Sullivan, I think Nebraska wins 24, 10 and cruises with ease. Okay, so what do you what do you say this the winning score would be? If Ben Bryan plays, it's gonna be 24-20 Northwestern. If it's Brendan Sullivan, it's 24-10 Nebraska. Hmm. Yeah, what do you think our defense is gonna give up 24 points? I think there's a turnover or two. <laughs> oh my god, you said that so delicately. I'm just Northwestern's do. They've only forced two turnovers on defense all season against they forced two turn, but they've also had two, they've had two turnovers against they forced two turnovers on special teams. And with AJ Henning back there, that's the thing people don't special teams is a weapon for Northwestern this year. Something that hasn't been a weapon in a long time. AJ Henning can flip a field like that. So I think that there's either some weird special team chicanery, a turnover or two. I just don't know if, Nebraska can't if Nebraska can't get their passing game going, that's what concerns me. Because what allows David Braun to play six in the box and get after the quarterback? Okay. Well, I I'm gonna go. You know, I really haven't thought about this until right now. I'd probably go 24 to 10 Nebraska. 
Because I think, I think honestly, I think the Illinois game, I think there was a big change there in attitude. There was a big change in there that basically, you know, when they stopped them on the on the goal line, I think that they just looked at themselves after that and said, there, nobody's going to do anything anymore. And I realize that the offense can turn the ball over and can give the game away, but uh, at some point that has to stop. I know that we're prone to it. Our quarterbacks aren't the greatest. Harburg's going to be the starter. You're probably going to get a heavy dose of – well, you are going to get a heavy dose of run. I mean, we don't have – Malachi Coleman is a fresh, new, young receiver that was a massively high recruit in this class, and he will be starting this week for the first time. Uh, Otherwise, our our Thomas Fedoni at tight end, Boro Kircher at tight end, Anthony Grant at running back. I think they do enough on offense. And I think we pick up a turnover to ourselves. So I I would say 24 to 10, Nebraska. Well, if Brendan Sullivan's back there, you'll definitely get one freebie. <laughs> if no one's seen it, go look up the clip of Brendan Sullivan throwing the ball right to a Penn State defender, like playing catch with him. I, I watched part of that game. I You know what? I watched it for a little bit, and I thought, oh, God, this isn't even competitive. I'm not going to do anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll probably do more predictions no, you know what? We won't do more predictions. Our Thursday night show is going to be volleyball because we're playing Wisconsin this weekend. Ooh, that, one versus two matchup. Yeah, that is the biggest. That'll be the biggest match of decades of volleyball. Probably. I have to say, the coolest thing I've seen all season was volleyball day in Nebraska. That was awesome. Ninety thousand so? in the stadium. I cover Northwestern volleyball, and like it's so like that is awesome to see. It just is absolutely awesome to see ninety thousand people turning out for, for um for volleyball, and now N- Nebraska softball is getting Jordy Ball. Like yeah, it's all like Northwestern Nebraska last year was a series here for Northwestern to clinch the Big Ten title in softball, and those games were fun. Like it's fun being a sport fan of those sports. I agree with that. I agree. You know, in Nebraska, we tend to be all football. So many of us are football, 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 football. But yeah, softball, I love baseball. Volleyball is certainly fascinating, exciting. Uh, and I think, you know what I think? I think uh, we hit an hour. I usually try to go about an hour because I'm old and I get tired easily. <laughs> I'm tired too. So... <laughs> Anything else you want to? Anything else you want to say as a, like a conclusion? Anything you're looking forward to seeing in Nebraska? I'm excited to see. We- I've never been to a full like I, our home the home stadium here is Ryan Field. It's never full. I'm excited to see ninety thousand rabid fans. That's that's gonna be awesome. I'm excited to get to Lincoln. I'm excited for our eight hour road trip. That should be entertaining. Um, but yeah, really excited to get to Lincoln, explore the area, and yeah, I'm really excited to. Now- I'm assuming your credential. I've heard that I need to go get some steaks because apparently Nebraska, Nebraska beef is some of the best in the country. So I'm excited for that. And yeah, I'm. Thank you for having me on. Hopefully, I wasn't too annoying for all you Nebraska fans out there. But thank you guys for tuning in and listening to me muddle about a team that really shouldn't get muddled about. <laughs> well, we thank you for having you. It's been a lot of fun, and uh, you know if you're. Let me know uh, if you're still around come baseball season, and maybe we'll talk about baseball. I don't know. Northwestern was 10-40 and last year. There may not be that much to talk about. Well, it's nobody in the Big Ten covers baseball. That's so fair. Yeah. So, uh, see there, Moonbot says this guest was great. See that, David? 
You're going places. <laughs> well, I cannot thank right. you guys enough. All right. Take care, everybody. Tomorrow night, probably 8.30 for volleyball. The Five Heart Podcast will be about volleyball this week and because Wisconsin's coming up. And uh, both of my volleyball writers or two of my three volleyball writers will be on that, including Beth, who played and coached and everything. So thanks for joining us. Uh, hit up Inside NU once in a while and say hello to David over there. And if you see him in Lincoln this weekend – you pay for his bail money, for God's sake. <laughs> well, if I'm going streaking, I may have to. So, uh, <laughs> full circle. Full circle. Thank there we go. All right. Thank right. you so much, John. Yep. All right. Go, cats. <laughs>